Welcome back, everyone, to another hour of Scott Shower. My name is Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right. Hopefully, you all had a wonderful week. I believe uh, we had a nice one here. And um, anything exciting happening your week? Or a uh, couple days? Taking my uh, son driving. That's pretty exciting. I'm sure that is. No, uh, no, no scare moments there. No, he did great. All right. Well, That's shout out, shout out, <laughs> shout out to Aiden there. I, just, I didn't know he was going to be your shout out, so sorry if I kind of <laughs> stole your thunder there. It's all good. Uh, so this week uh, we have the uh, Ben Riak uh, Smoky Twelve. Uh, it's a space side, you said, right? Space side, single malt scotch. And uh, then our I've uh, got our shout outs and get it togethers along with our restaurant review being the Emerald Isle and our topic, the Blade Runner. Scotch review. Number four in our series of Benriac scotches. We've had the 10, the Smoky 10, the 12, and now the Smoky 12. So we know they are Speyside single malt scotches uh, by Master Blender Rachel Berry. We have not been let down uh, thus far, and this one could be even more interesting. So we have scotch matured for a minimum of 12 years in bourbon, sherry, and marsala casks. And I think one thing that they're very particular about, and they mention it, and they want us to know it, is that this this scotch is aged for 12 years in a bourbon cask, another batch for 12 years in a marsala cask, another batch for 12 years in ex-bourbon casks, and then after that, they're all blended together. So that could be 12 years, that could be 15 years. It's whenever the uh, tasters and Rachel Berry decide, hey, it's time to pull that and blend these guys together. We might be in for a fantastic treat. I know you said it, uh, it was interesting, but I, I'm not sure if it could be any more interesting than the blueberry pancake one. Man, I'm telling you, <laughs> I know that's a tough one to beat. And I look at all these canisters and whether you've got natural lighting or incandescent lighting or uh, LED lighting, uh, these things, they light up, they're almost iridescent, and it's going to be tough to beat a blueberry uh, pancake smell. Yeah, that, the, the 12 was really, really, <laughs> really good. I'm not sure I'm not sure if the smoky is going to beat the, the normal 12. It's going to be tough, that is for sure. All right. As always, they've done a nice job with their fairly simple, but again, almost iridescent canisters. Uh, not so feminine. You can't take it to poker night. We'll see if uh, Noah decides this is one that can go or if it's one that stays. <laughs> Same basic layout of the bottle. We've got the labels. Um, the bottle, literally the only thing that changes besides the name is the description and the color. Is the ABV the same on this one as it is on the others? The ABV on this one is 40%. So it's a little bit. Actually, no, man, that's 46. Oh, okay. 46% ABV. All right. Cool. A little bit higher. A little bit higher. I didn't uh, look up any tour information about the Ben React uh, distillery, so no, uh, no, no sharing information on that this week. Hey, well, first steps first. You got to get to Scotland. Then exactly. you got to get to Space Side. <laughs> but it does have that nice wooden top uh, for the cork there. Um, although, did they like burn anything into it? No, nothing burned into it. I really think they should start doing the burning into the wood. Maybe they're afraid it'll add flavor. Maybe. I mean, they do char their, their uh, barrels and stuff, right? On the inside. Only on the inside. <laughs> Only on the inside. <laughs> 
I do like the color of it so far. All right. Um, anything else before we cut for our... No, as we've talked about 1898, John Duff started the uh, Ben React Distillery, fired it up, and since then, uh, it's been putting out some wonderful treats. All right. Well, then, cheers. cheers. And warp speed. I guess for my tasting notes on this smoky 12 first thing i'll point out i do really like the coloring here uh to me it has like kind of like that brassy orange gold color to it um so it's not super light like it was last week um, the hardcore yeah the hardcore was really light and i don't know i think maybe just something i i, I expect from a good scotch it is to have like that kind of nice dark brass color just because it's usually you know you're it's being aged with the uh Oak barrels that are smoked. Yeah. So I would expect it to have some of that more darker color to it. So um, I think that's the reason why I like that. Um, as far as the nose goes, nose goes, uh, the bouquet, um, I get like charred uh, orange pills on there along with um, some raisins. And I couldn't really pinpoint the other one. I'm not really sure if it was like a hint of like oak or if it's walnuts, or maybe it's both oak and walnuts. Because <laughs> you know, like sometimes when you like get some like walnuts, and you know, not the ones, that, not the pre-cracked ones, the ones that already have the, like the sell the shells on them and stuff like that. That kind of like that that kind of smell to them. Um, and then as far as the uh, palate goes, here um, spice. I get spice. Like, there's definitely some um, some uh, clove in there, uh, along with uh, smoke. And there's all you know, you got that that spice of the of the clove and the smoke. But then you also get that slight hint of sweetness too with the Mar with the Marcella. Uh, but that that spice of the clove kind of leads into my finish, which also has like some spice in there, which I think it might be like. Like pepper or peppercorn or something like that, along with a little bit more uh, orange and almond flavors. So, uh, I, I think it's a good one. Um, depending on the price point, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, I think you take this one here to like a, po a poker game, um, and I think it, it could also be a good one to uh, enjoy with a cigar as well. Um, yeah, I, I I really like the twelve a lot more. Personally, I like that blueberry pancake flavor. I thought that was so unique on that one. Um, I think if you want something that's a little bit more smoky, a little bit more spicy, um, and a little bit more like traditional scotch, I think this one does a better job than that than the normal the the twelve. You know, I, I think our tastes are pretty similar. A few slight differences on this one right there with you, though, with the medium brass finish. <laughs> that is a great color. Um, not too deep, not too light. Uh, very attractive in the glass, so to speak. On the nose for me, um, I get those hints of 
fruit and it's interesting because it's just like the last time whereas i never really tasted the blueberry but i could absolutely smell the blueberry from the regular the regular 12. Um, this one i'm still getting a hint of blueberry in there but it's uh, very much more pronounced with almost a, a hint of lemon zest and you I think you nailed it with the smoked orange peel as far as that smoky scent in there. But what's also very interesting, and I think this is where the blueberry is layered in here, is that if a scotch can smell creamy, this one does. It actually smells almost creamy. And that's wild to me because you don't get that. You can tell there's alcohol in it, 46% AVB, but you don't get that bite on the nose. Instead, you get the different layers of flavor and then it almost smells creamy. And I don't know how that can be. I, what does creamy smell like? I don't know, but it's a lot like this. Really hard to explain um, on the palate. Uh, that creamy scent, that those scents that make it smell creamy, absolutely follow it right into the palate. A nice, smooth, creamy uh, right at the front. Um, and then it's interesting because I think it quickly transitions to that oak spice. And with that, you got the sherry, um, you've got the marsala, you've got the bourbon, and it's hard to tell which one's bringing that in. Um, the thing I, I have to think is that the marsala has really added the creamy smoky, and I think you get that smoke there in the middle down to the finish, sweetness. And again, it's this interesting layered flavor where it goes, and there's very, very little right at the front. Um, citrus, um, and then the spice, the clove, uh, again, creamy into this oaky spice finish um, that has that nice dry edge I actually like, but not so dry that you don't still feel like your tongue is sweet. It literally leaves, the finish leaves my tongue feeling sweet with a hint of cocoa. That's a pretty good description. I, I don't get the creaminess whatsoever. Like I like from the moment I tasted it till now still, I get it like just, it's like hot and spicy. So I get no, I, get, I don't get any of that like smooth creaminess at all. Oh, that is absolutely what I smell and is on my tongue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously everyone's taste buds are different. And uh, in this case, I think that's where we might differ a little bit. But hey, you know, give it a try, people. Like I think, uh, you know. Uh, maybe you'll even get something different than us too. So I think the underlying base here that that I the only thing I could sum up with it is I remember the original ten, and I still passionately call it my honey rider scotch. I think this one deviated from the honey rider. I think it's in there. I don't know. I think there's this smooth. Uh, creamy honey that is underlying in there and that's bringing out some of those flavors and scents. I don't know. To me, it just <laughs> seems like hot and spicy and smoky. <laughs> but hey, what, what do I know? <laughs> Could be the, uh, you know, like five hours of being in a car, driving with someone new. Maybe my uh, taste buds are on edge <laughs> or dead. <laughs> Wake up. You're in a ditch. But you know... <laughs> This last, this last one, this last sip, it was a little bit more creamy up front, but still a lot of spice in the back. 
Yeah, the, uh, I think there's a ton of the oak spices that come yeah. through. And again, I don't know if that's the marsala, the bourbon, the sherry. Like, I don't know if they're in there. You can see particulates floating in there. Like, I wouldn't blame them if they were in there almost knocking some of that off in there as they're filtering it. All right, I can see the creaminess now. The first, my first few sips, I was like, no way, no creaminess there. But there is some creaminess. Now, don't don't let my interpretation blur the lines too much, but carefully, slowly bring your nose into it. And do you not get a hint of a blueberry or some sort of similar berry? There's still a hint of it. I think it has a lot in common with the actual 12. It's not... It's not blueberry like, oh, muffin first thing in the morning. You smell that you, uh, you're waking up and you smell it from the bedroom. It's not like that. But just the slightest hint. Maybe it's raspberry or blackberry. But there is some other, uh, you know what? I think that says it. I think it's blackberry. Not as much blueberry, more blackberry. The darker the berry, the sweeter the jam. So I've heard. I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't getting any berry on it before, but now I am. Um, but I'm also getting some chocolate on there, too. Some cocoa or maybe brown chocolate brownie or something. Mm -hmm. There's a lot layered into this. I think this is one of those ones where maybe you need to have it open up for a little bit more before sipping it right out of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because uh, obviously there are some layers, and, I, and it's starting to open it up more and more, and I'm starting to like, get some more of that additional uh, hints that you're talking about. Yeah, it's a good one. No regrets! I uh, still like the 12 more than the Smokey, but uh, this one has a lot of complexity going on. There's definitely layers, and I think this one needs, unlike the uh, the 12, I think this one needs just a little bit more time to breathe in your glass, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think you did a spot on, uh, review there on that one. Good job. So I'm being on edge, man. <laughs> <laughs> Driving with the teenager. <laughs> it's time for our shout outs. Really, my one shout out this week's going to Aiden. I had an awesome job driving. Actually, I wasn't scared at all. I wasn't on edge at all. Um, did a really nice job on some major highways and throughout neighborhoods. Uh, he, he took me through Parker, into Franktown, into Castle Rock and uh, Larkspur where we ate and then drove back. So really nice job. Proud of you. Oh, cool. Did you guys go hiking, too? I know that was kind of like on the docket. We did not. We spent the uh, time driving and eating instead. Oh, cool. All right. Sounds like a good day. Nice afternoon. Perfect weather for it. A little bit of rain, which was good for him to experience as well. Yeah. You know, it's always kind of nice to do like a road trip to nowhere type of thing. You know, <laughs> not like have like any designated spot and just drive for a while. And yeah. kind of. I was telling them a couple of our songs from our day and the days before ours. Uh, I can't drive 55 and <laughs> Highway to Hell. That <laughs> <laughs> life's been good so far. <laughs> Life has been good. <laughs> Is that one? Isn't that uh, the one he says, like, uh, my Maserati does 185? I think he's driving a Porsche. And life's been good? Oh. 
No, I think it is. Because he goes like, my, yeah. uh, my Maserati does 185. Now I lost my license. Good and life. Now, yeah. Now I don't drive. Good life. Is that what it is? Good life. Yeah. All right. Joe Walsh, right? Joe mm. Walsh. I, th- I think. Uh, I don't know. Anyone out there, if you guys are watching us, uh, you know, put it in the comments there. But I think it's, it's a good song. How about your shout outs? Uh, my shout outs right now are kind of going to, uh, I just have one shout out really. And I'm just going to give it a shout out to the uh, police officers um, for doing a good job of not letting the rioters like totally like take over cities and destroy them. Um, I've been seeing a lot more reports of them arresting people and, and kind of keeping them in check. Yeah. The Roe versus Wade thing did have a lot of potential for damage. And I agree with you. That's a nice job. Thank you for, uh, continuing to take care of your communities. Yeah, I think that I think they they definitely need a shout out or a pat on the back for when they do right. Obviously, if they're doing something wrong, then everyone should be called out on that. I guess maybe. <laughs> uh, any uh, any get it togethers? Uh, you know, I just, I, uh, my only get it together is the economists out there who still think there's no likeliness that we're going to go into a recession. <laughs> um, and then also to California, who didn't learn the first time around, so they have decided they're going to give a round of their own stimulus checks to their state. And uh, I understand the basic Simple thought, more money, more spending. I don't know how you control inflation by allowing people to continuously spend money or you're just printing that has no backing. So, yeah, California, get it together. <laughs> That's funny because one of my get it together is for the California government, state government, uh, for two reasons. One, uh, they, they uh, also decided to give illegal immigrants uh, free health care. On top of that uh, stimulus check, I think, which is like a thousand dollars, I think is what the amount is. It's three fifty for an individual, seven hundred for a couple, and then one or more kids you get another three fifty. So a thousand fifty um, for the average family there. And then the other thing I want to give them, I get a give them for, or get, I guess the get it together for them, is the uh, the attorney general pretty much doxed all the uh, concealed carry weapons people. Uh, like releasing the names, addresses, phone numbers, and all that stuff of everyone who uh, has a concealed carry weapons permit. Um, I'm not sure if that violates any law, but I think it should. Uh, You know, it's interesting because hearing it, it it definitely seems like they just released a Knox list. But at the same time, um, I don't... I don't know uh, that it is such a bad thing because really it's pretty much out there. Anyone, it, anyway, if someone really wants to go digging, there's a way to find that information out. Uh, but it just seems pretty unprofessional. Like, what was the point? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, are you really getting? Are you giving a list of like to people who not to rob? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So these are the houses that are safe. Do not rob these houses. Or, right. or are you giving it that list out because of that new bill or whatever that was signed into uh, that was signed uh, by Congress for the red flags? So that way uh, you can say like, oh, I think that person is mentally disturbed, and then without due process and stuff, people will come in uh, the the police will come in and take their guns away and then the people have to prove that they're not mentally unstable. That may have been the intention. Um, honestly, that may have been the intention or was the intention so that everyone who needed a gun but couldn't go get a gun who to steal one from. 
Ooh, that, that's another good one right there. Uh, in any case, I think it causes more harm than good by, by releasing that list. Yeah. And this one's not a shout-out, nor is it a get-together, but it's just more of a, hey, just watch out, people. We might get some more Mandela effects coming into play. The uh, CERN Super Collider is going to be running uh, July 5th. So what you might know is reality might be changing here in the next few days. All right, let's take another particle at molecular <laughs> speed and see what we can do with energy. All <laughs> right. More Mandela effects in play. The Emerald Isle, Parker Road, and Chambers. <laughs> You know, there's an interesting restaurant. Is it Quincy or is it, is it Chambers? I think it's Quincy. Yeah, it's Quincy. Quincy and Parker. Yeah, I, I'm thinking Chambers just because Chambers does that weird twist into Quincy and then you get to Parker. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of confused. It's a little confusing right over there. It, it's different, but it's been there forever. I remember that place being there uh, a couple years ago when we were in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, definitely was on my bucket list of restaurants I had to go to. Glad we did. View was interesting. Food was pretty good. Um, service was okay. Uh, but it was it was overall um, a live band of two playing, um, th- which were doing a decent job. It was a good experience. It was fun to go visit. The wait staff, um, I. I think she did a pretty good job up to the point she where she dropped like soda on, on the floor and hit, <laughs> splashed on my leg and stuff. Uh, but up to that point, I think she was doing a pretty decent job. She wasn't. I mean, she checked up on us. She delivered stuff. She was honest in her opinion with uh, with the menu. So I actually really enjoyed the you know what she did as a waitress. Um, the view though, I I think the view is actually kind of was kind of nice from that deck where you can see uh, Cherry Creek, although. I think it might have been better like 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago because <laughs> uh, the trees may not have been as tall and you might have been able to see more of the, of the Cherry Creek Reservoir. Uh, the other thing I didn't really like about the view there is these like orange buildings next door with uh, <laughs> storage buildings <laughs> with all the uh, uh, 5G uh, radio towers there for cell phones and stuff. So uh, service was great. <laughs> <laughs> Which service? <laughs> Cell phone. <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, the weird thing about that place though is like the front doors, like there's like four front doors to it and two of them are locked. And it's, it's like this weird like entranceway where it's just, it was just like hot in like a small enclosed area. Uh, it almost seemed like it was like a, a gazebo type front or whatever added on to the front end of the building or whatever. When you walk in, I don't, it seemed really weird. They're, they're like, that's their version of drink responsibly. If you cannot get out, do not go. <laughs> uh, but the back patio, I think that's where it's at. If you're going to go to this place, uh, the back patio was pretty nice. It even rained a little bit while we were there, but they have like these like tents outside and they actually did a pretty good job of blocking the rain. So yeah. uh, I, I'm sure if the rain was much harder and, and if it was windier, it may not have done a, a very good job, but for the, like the light rain that it had, that was going on, it, it, it served its purpose. And I didn't even see the uh, the band, uh, but what, were they two guys playing acoustic uh, guitars? Yes. Okay. They didn't sound too bad, though. Oh, they did all right. So, um, 
food. Should we talk about the food, I guess? Yeah. All right. I I thought they had a pretty simple but covered list of draft beers. Um, so they had a juicy IPA for me, um, and that was good. We proceeded to go with one of our common combatants, something where we can compare at multiple restaurants, the jalapeno poppers. And then uh, for me, I wrapped up with the crispy chilireno plate, which I thought was really good. It wasn't the best ever, but it was really good. Um, and you mentioned our waitress doing a great job being honest. And when we asked her about the poppers, she said, they're good. They're frozen. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> She's honest. And I appreciated that. Um, she did recommend the chili reno plate, which was, again, good. Um, so I had, uh, I, I, I thought my food was good. Yeah, I, um, I thought they also gave you a pretty big portion. Um, so I agree with the uh, assessment on the uh, jalapeno poppers. She was right on <laughs> with that. They're, it's frozen. You know what to expect. And that's what we got. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, those were, those were okay. Um, but we got what we, what we knew we would get. And, uh, I asked her about two different plates, whether the, uh, their fajitas, I guess they're, I forget what they said. Was it award-winning fajitas or something yeah. like that? The, the award-winning fajitas or the chimichanga. And she said the uh, fajitas, uh, in her opinion, were overpriced for what you get. So she recommended a chimichanga, and uh, she, then she uh, asked me, like, what meat I wanted. So I asked her what meat would she recommend, and she's like, well, it comes with ground beef, but everything else is an upcharge. I'm like, well, which one do you recommend? And she said the chicken, and the chicken was good. And uh, the, so the chicken chimichanga was good. It was smothered in green chili. The green chili tasted decent, um, better than some, worse than others. Um and the uh, but their beans, the refried beans tasted pretty good. Yes, I wouldn't say they're exactly homemade type refried beans, but they're better than out of the can. And I think the one thing that the chimichanga was missing, and maybe this is because of, like I like having sour cream on my burritos and uh, guacamole, but I really would have liked having like some sour cream and guacamole with my chimichanga. Yeah, and uh, overall. I think you could take a first date there. It's a chill place. Yeah. I, I think you can meet friends there. Once again, chill place. The food, as you mentioned, the menu, it had it had like a, a, a wide variety of food on there. And um, the food was decent. You get a lot of food for the, you know, for the value, I think. And so overall, I'm going to give the food a seven. I'm going to give the place. I can just give it a solid seven. <laughs> Because it's it's like a neighborhood pub, and if I actually lived near there, I would go there all the time, probably just to be you know and probably be a regular, just drinking you know, a few beers or whatever, and hang out there, grab a bite to eat, and go home. Um, but being that it's a little bit further away, it's a little bit tougher to have like a few beers and like a beer and just chill there and just you know take in the the scenery, which I think the scenery is probably the best part of the whole place. Yeah, I agree with you. As far as take a first date there, if I can sit out on the patio on a nice, cool, overcast day with the sun setting over the mountains in the distance, the scenery was beautiful. Absolutely. Like, no, you're going to probably get a little bit of local uh, music. And 
again, if you're there for a couple of beers and a bite, you're not going wrong. Um, Price-wise, value, all decent. Go there with friends, absolutely, especially if you have some hours to blow. Um, the biggest thing is, I think the one thing that really does impact it as far as if I, it hits my top 10 list is just location. Um, yeah, getting in and out of that uh, into the parking lot. Is, yeah, uh, that's the only piece of it. So there are so many other places closer um, that don't have the view that place had. Great view, again, overlooking a piece of Cherry Creek Reservoir. Um, but it, it was a great just, and again, though, you got to go on the right night. If it's 90 degrees out, probably not going to have the same <laughs> experience we had. Uh, overall, I'm right there with you. Food was a solid seven. Service uh, was teetering just above that. Um, the scenery, I mean, that's my one nine. Um, but overall, you're talking seven and a half for me. Yeah, it's, I mean, you get what you get there. I mean, it's, it's a neighborhood pub, and if you expect a neighborhood pub, that's what you're going to get. The service was the question mark because there was so much potential, but when she just seemed a little out of it and then dropped that soda, I'm like, all right, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it is Colorado, and uh, <laughs> I think she probably uh, partakes in some of the law there. <laughs> so that shirt that said, I smoke weed hourly, wasn't just a shirt? <laughs> No. <laughs> all right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, he could have if he did. Yeah, that's what it, that's the, that was the line I was looking for, rather than saying the same thing you did. <laughs> okay, uh, anything else you want to say about this? No, it was fun. I'm glad it's off the bucket list. Would I go again if I'm passing by with the date? Absolutely. Otherwise, I might hit up a few other spots first. Yeah, and I can even see like hitting a uh, hanging out there with a friend too, just to have a couple of beers and a and a nice lunch or evening dinner, as long as it's not like ninety degrees out. Or Monday, they are closed Mondays. Yeah, what's up with all the restaurants closed on Mondays, man? They hate us. I know. So our smarter challenge this week is the Blade Runner. This is your smarter challenge. That's right. Anything you want to start us off here or anything you want to say? About you know, it? I'm often considered one of the greatest movies of time. I'm definitely in many people's top 10 historically impactful movies. Harrison Ford had just come off a hot streak doing a few Star Wars movie and absolutely did not want to be in this movie. Done, uh, and I'm going to give the person with the most credit, Ridley Scott. Um, he, Harrison Ford, and if you watch it and you just know he didn't want to be there, you can see it on his face all the time. And the stories that are told go that they actually went back afterwards and they got all these different directors cuts and such and uh, tried to take some of his distaste out of the original movie and then reshot some scenes during the production for that same purpose ultimately Harrison Ford should be thanking this movie for helping his career more than anyone um, and you know it is a science fiction movie about replicants so uh 
you know, basically non-human robots, if you will, that are much like a Terminator, um, undiscernible as robots, as cyborgs, as anything other than a human living being. Um, and the, the story is, and the question goes, what is it that makes, you know, the purpose of this movie is what is it make that makes a human a human? Is it, is it, feelings is it emotion is it intelligence and it's a great question to really think about while you're watching the movie yeah that uh that that is one of the biggest pro uh biggest questions uh that's really prevalent in the movies uh what makes us what makes us human and being that the and it's and it's really a, a known to be like a sci-fi marvel of a movie and uh and, I, and it's kind of weird because like when you watch it um there, I, I know there's people who've made comments like, "How is this a like? Why is this a great movie? Why is it a sci-fi movie or whatever? Um, or why is it a great sci-fi movie?" But if you really kind of started diving into like the symbology of it all and and that and that and that theory and that uh, and that question, that philosophical question about like what makes us, what makes you a human? And you know, that's you know, as the Blade Runners, right? The Blade Runners were. Um, a special group of people or, you know, a person that went and hunted down these, re these replicants that were like, you know, human, like androids or robots. Uh, I'm not, they're not even robots. I guess they're just synthetics. I don't know what replicants are literally <laughs> like synthetic. Yeah. Is the, is the best way to say it. Synthetic humans. And, uh, and they would have to hunt them down, but they had like, uh, these, the replicants had like, they like, they were stronger than normal humans. Uh, possibly faster, maybe more intelligent. Um, uh, but yeah, it, so you would have to be uh, kind of a special kind of, I guess, uh, or a specialized person in order to hunt these guys down. Um, and I think a, a great question actually comes from Rachel, um, the, the female interest of, uh, of uh, Decker, Deckard. In the movie, and she asked him if he had ever taken the uh, the test. Um, what's the? I think I have the test written down here somewhere. Um. Anyways, um. The yeah, here is Voight Camp of uh, uh, the test, um, and uh, he never responded. So do you, do you think he's? Do you think Deckard was human or or a replicant? Ultimately, I think he was human. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, I want to take a step back and you mentioned that some of these replicants had were fast. Some of them were sex specialists, if you will, Daryl Hannah's character. Some of them were six times as strong as other men. And with that, I think what's, uh, what's very profound and also ingenious um, from a writing perspective or from a creativity perspective is that even as these replicants, as opposed to giving every replicant every strength, they made them more human by giving them one strength. Because typically, uh, the super intelligent humans, this is not always the case, but typically the smartest humans are not the strongest humans. And the strongest humans 
humans are not the smartest humans. Um, the fastest humans um, may not be the most attractive or vice versa. Um, now, of course, there's all different variables and, and there may be that one out there that is perfect. And then you got to ask yourself, are they a replicant, right? Because typically as a human, um, we don't get tens in every facet of potential. We get tens in some as far as our strengths and we may get twos or fives in others as our opportunities. And it was brilliant that they did that. Um, and then when you get back to Deckard, I think he was pre-average across the board. But I think ultimately the answer to the question why his love interest, Rachel, um, was considered the perfect replicant in many ways and why I think he was oh, the perfect human is they are the two individuals who throughout the movie show true empathy. So, yeah, um, they do show true empathy here. And uh, I think I'm wondering if Deckard would have actually uh, killed her being a Blade Runner if he if she did not save him. He was very honest with her. I think he was 100% honest. I think, yes, he would have, uh, because she then later asked him, would you come after me if I just went north? And he's like, no, but somebody else would. Yeah, and he also said that he wouldn't go after her because he owed her. So and, and so I'm wondering, like, it, by her stopping that replicant from killing him, if that made him see her having empathy for him or or uh you know i guess care for another being and then that that opened him up to i guess possibly falling in love with her i'm not i'm not i I'm never really I, I don't really fully understand like how he like all of a sudden became in love with her you know ultimately as a replicant if her strength was intelligent she played the chess move that you know you had mentioned about eldon tyrell's fascination of chess she played the chess move perfectly because at first what she gets from him after showing him empathy and saving his life is sympathy because originally when he's not going to kill her because he owes her one, that's more of a sympathetic, I'm not going to kill you. Um, the empathetic comes into later when he's like, you're the one replicant I don't know of with a timeline. And later on, you hear even from the other officer uh, who likes to make his little paper figures, um, you hear from him, too bad she's going to run out of time. And that poses the piece of him, that other officer, knowing she's the one that doesn't have a very limited clock. Most of them got four years. She's the one that might have a long clock, and yet he's okay with letting her be. Yeah, it's uh, it is interesting, too, because um, when you bring up Eldon Tyrell uh, in uh, this this article I was reading about like symbology there. He has like these like super thick glasses and he talked about people being intelligent. Uh, so he was like super intelligent, but he's like also old and frail. And sometimes when people are super intelligent, um, they may not have the best uh, EQ quotient. Is that what it is? Emotional. Yes. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. That mo yeah. Emotional intelligence. And uh, you can tell that he didn't because he, he uh, treated people and he treated the replicants like they were like pawns or, or uh, disposable entities. And, uh, and I think that made him short-sighted and, and, uh, and able to see things. And I think it's kind of, there's that symbology there with the chess pieces 
because as uh, Roy Batty was going up the elevator, he's telling the, uh, I don't know what that guy's name was, the, uh, the guy that Tyrell was playing chess with. Oh, I don't remember Elder. No, not Eldon. That was Tyrell. It was like J.A. something or other. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that guy was also like super frail and also kind of intelligent. And uh, But the bottom line is neither one of them saw their death. Just kind of like, uh, like because like Batty, Batty told uh, a guy, you know, do these two moves and you'll know, have him in checkmate. And Tyrell just didn't see that as being possible. And, um, and I think that's kind of what led him to his death because uh, I think that's that symbology of vision and eyes and stuff like that, the thick, thick glasses and being intelligent and not, and not being really emotional, but I could be wrong. I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm stretching here. No, I think, uh, different strengths for, uh, an offset of different opportunities is absolutely something they did very well in this movie. And I want to go back to, I mean, first of all, let's not forget that this movie is after a book. And I love the title of this book because it's almost controversial on my mind. Do androids dream of electric sheep? And of course, as a kid and someone who is innocent, you're thinking about, oh yeah, as a kid, that's right. One sheep over the moon, two sheep over the moon, three sheep over the moon. Or if you want to use poor English, five sheeps over the moon. But it's you're counting your sheep. And I, of course, as a less innocent, more mature individual, I'm like, okay, you dirty sheep. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what they meant. <laughs> Took me just a second. Um, but with that, I love the title. I really do love the title. Uh, a very well done title. I think that's one of the things that many modern books miss out on now is titles that are catchy and once you know one piece about a show or a movie the title is the hook it, all of a sudden you want to know more um, you're more likely to bring it up and I think Perry's most recent book The Old Man is another example of that okay not a great title until you find out a couple of things about what this story is about and then it's like now I know I want to know about this old man like what is his story what is he capable of uh, well done um and yeah, I, I think one of the other things, again, that really fascinates me about this movie, besides the fact that Harrison Ford, again, coming off of a pretty powerful ride with three Star Wars behind him, didn't want to do it. And yet he's getting to work with Ridley Scott. Now, Ridley Scott's new in the game at this point. Um, do you want to mention a couple of other Ridley Scott movies that you like? Or you want me to just keep rolling with this? Well, I mean, there's Alien uh, black, there's like a Kirk, uh, Michael Douglas movie, Black Rain. Black Rain. That was a good one. Um, there's another. How about Gladiator? Oh yeah, Gladiator. That was huge. <laughs> What's great to me though with Ridley Scott, if you look at like some of the list of best Ridley Scott movies, and I think I actually agree largely with this, is that Blade Runner is considered his greatest movie of all time. Gladiator number two, and then you mentioned Alien number three, and then you got Black Hawk Down, which is an excellent movie. I love that that movie. Hannibal. Uh, that those three are like we're almost done back to back. Uh, yeah, I'm Hannibal, Black Hawk, uh, Black Hawk Down, and uh, 
I thought Gladiator was nearby, but it wasn't. I'm bouncing all over the place as far as date-wise with these movies I'm mentioning, but Thelma and Louise. Yeah, Thelma and Like, Louise. I actually hate that movie, but I appreciate it. Like, it has value, and I, I have to understand it has so much meaning, but I hate the movie because I hate it when people <laughs> give up at the end. <laughs> and then you got The Martian, too. That was a great movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And going back to Alien, remember we talked about Alien uh, last week mm-hmm. with... Uh, um, HP uh, Lovecraft. Yes. Um, so uh, you know, there's there. That was a good tie in there. <laughs> um, one I haven't seen. I'm a little bit behind the time with this. Is House of Gucci? I need to go see that. Um, <laughs> Should be like the fall of the House of Gucci is what right? it's called. But then one more I have to mention, just because it's such an interesting movie to me, and I actually can't stand Demi Moore, but she did a fantastic job in GI Jane. And it, you know, it's not her that makes this movie for me. It's I, I could have probably done with 20 other females playing the role just as well, if not better. It's Viggo Mortensen who does his role uh, brilliantly in this movie. He's the actual one that makes this movie for me. Yeah, it's another, that's another great movie. Um, what do you think about the cinematography in Blade Runner? For a 1982 film, it was great. Uh, the attention for detail was about as good as they could probably get then. But as we were reviewing it ourselves, we're like, yeah. So back in 1982, they had no idea what 2022, 40 years later, would look like. Because this movie's supposed to take place just three years ago in 2019. And man, for all of you that still have those black and white photos from the early 1900s, at that point, 100 years old, congratulations nobody's using a green screen anymore <laughs> nobody's using any of the technology honestly uh, in that movie but the dreams were so big and i loved the fact that if you look at it um with especially with the cinematography and the environment man you can tell really scott left one of his signature moves in there with buildings that looked like pyramids exactly he did and uh you know i i, I think for the time period Obviously, now we're in 2022. That was done in 82. So you're talking, what, you know, a few years there in between. Um, the If you kind of just <laughs> remove the technology part of it, I think the cinematography was done really well, uh, especially some of the sets, like uh, the set of that J.A., whatever his name is, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. where the uh, where Roy Batty and uh, Daryl Hannah's character were hanging out at with, the, like, the weird-looking... Midgets, uh, those little people. Midgets, they were like robots. They were very yeah. simple robots compared to these replicants. Right, and uh, like so, it was just like the the detail and how intricate it was in that scene. Um, you know, you even see Daryl Hannah playing with like a busted up Barbie head or whatever, and mm-hmm. it it was uh, a ton of detail went in there. So I and I think the the way it was shot, the way it was, you know, the film is. If you have like a kind of a dark vision of the future, it really didn't, it did meet that fairly well. I think you brought up a really good point too there because, um, really, the interesting part is his little robots, when they asked him what is the purpose what are these they're my friends and if you think about 1982 when you think about robot technology and everything else that was really what it was intended to be was uh, we want robots to be useful we want robots to add to our lives and then next thing you know daryl hannah's character is basically supposed to be amazing at sex and um 
Roy's. Well, they have the sex dolls now. Like those, like, Dude, like I know, dolls. and I mean that's somebody's friend, that's for sure. But uh, it's just really interesting how they even have brothels for those things now. I believe it. California is weird, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in all reality, um, you you see in this one scene very advanced replicants, which are hard to tell from humans, and simple robots as they started, and I think that was very well done. I think that's also very um traditional from what i have observed and I'm, I'm giving a lot of credit here to ridley scott but i think ridley scott does that and a lot in in his movies including alien where he has all this time span but you see cues from the current when the movie's being filmed right down to when it's supposed to take place and somehow they still fit they do and i think uh we have to kind of go back here to a little bit here to talk about what it is or what it means to be a human. Cause I think in a movie, it kind of defines uh, like the vision, like uh, a person's vision. So, cause you see like symbology with eyes a lot of times in that movie. Um, cause they, they also take like an eye to an eye doctor or like a, I guess like a, a robot doctor or whatever. And he explains about like the eyes being the vision, like the vision into a person and from there is, is memories. So is it like vision being the gateway uh, for interpretation and empathy and memories? Does that make you a human? Uh, you know, I don't. I, I think that they're. I think that's what they're saying in this movie. I think so they're much. playing around with lot a lot, but I, at this point, you've got other characters and. Uh, Man, at the end, when the replicant saves Harrison Ford from falling off the building, I think you also see this piece of these replicants have become so advanced um, that they got to a point where they understood and appreciated the one thing that matters. And and this is what I think most people um, overlook because I, it's so simple. It's just right there. It's not necessarily that you can see or hear or taste or feel. What it is is life. It is an opportunity to have a life. And that um, the one thing that the synthetics were ultimately not given, these replicants, was a life. They were giving four years. They were given a glance, but not an actual experience. And that's the one thing they wanted. And I think that's the one thing you see him, um, whereas he was considered one of the strongest, the best assassin. He was literally created to go around and terminate threats. Um, but ultimately with that, it reminds me of a saying, you will never know good until you understand and realize how bad you can be um, evil versus good, not bad as in bad, um, but actual terrible doing evil. And until you know the evil you're capable of, you won't understand and appreciate the good that you can do. Right. And going back to being human here, or what makes a human and this movie though, they, they give their replicants fake memories to begin with. And that's kind of like their starting point. And, uh, from there, then they do develop their own memories through their own visions and interpretations. And so if that's the case, once they have their own memories and stuff and they got their own basis, do they also start to understand what it is to be human and are therefore, are they human? 
I think that is a, a further more advanced piece to the question. Um, and, and the tricky answer is ultimately no, because human is defined just like males and females, um, masculine versus feminine, maybe not so much, but male versus female in a species is defined and human is also very much so defined. Um, but I think he does. I think, uh, Roy Batty's character does become more human than possibly Decker's character. Because I think Decker's character from the beginning, he is very much more linear and uh, a lot less emotional. And although he did surround himself with like pictures and things from, from his family's supposed past, but he's never taken the test himself or he's never revealed if he did or did not take the test. And he acted probably more like a replicant than maybe those like some of the Republicans acted. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, without a doubt. It's, uh, it's, it's a great question, but it really comes down to with the science. It's one thing to act human, and it's another thing to be human. But the truth of the matter is most humans are less kind, less generous, less empathetic um, than any of these theological counterparts can be. Yeah, and I and I I do think when uh, Batty, you, you mentioned this earlier, he he saves Deckard's life, and I think when he saved Deckard's life, he has that conversation with him talking about like the things that he's seen and the things that he's done. Um, you can tell like he's he's tying that into his experiences and the way how he values life and how all he really wanted to do was to have a longer life and experience more. And I think when you look at it, everything is finite as far as like uh, as far as lives are concerned. And most human, like I think when people get close to their deathbed, uh, I think maybe some of them might be also viewing the same thing as like, I wish I had more time. I wish I you know maybe I could experience other things, um, you know. Uh, and I and I think that that's really relatable in this in this part of the movie here. And I think that takes uh, that does affect Deckard to where he's already kind of fallen in love or had a sexual encounter with Rachel to where he goes back and he now knows that, one, replicants aren't evil necessarily. <laughs> I mean, maybe some are, just like some humans are. But there are some that, are, that do care and they do value life. And I think that's when he kind of realizes that he could live a long time or be with Rachel as a partner or spouse. Yeah, um, I think to compound that, you have to also realize that the replicants that were set off to ultimately be assassins and serve on another nation were that. And I think that brings in the next question of, uh, did Roy's character ever have a life? And the answer is no, because he wasn't free. And now that he's got the freedom, now he wants the life. Um, you brought up a really good question and a really good point. When so many people get old, they make the comment that they wish they had more time. And I, I still, to this day, find it very peculiar and interesting how many people get to those points and how many people I've even heard say it. And it's like, well, where were you 40 years ago? Didn't you think to value your time then? And how is it you didn't think to value your time? Did you not make the most of your time or did you not appreciate the fact that you made the most of your time because you didn't feel free? And that is another piece that also complicates layers in some of the different pieces of 
if you're working for a corporation, some people may never feel free. They may feel like they ultimately are condemned to a job they must do because they get their golden handcuffs, they get trapped, and they get put in these positions versus other people work for a corporation, and they're like, yeah, I'm free. Like, I'm doing the same job as that guy. He just hates his life every day. I love my life most days. And when I'm 80, I'm going to look back and I'm going to be smiling and thinking about my road trips and uh, the days I took with my son or my friend. And um, the other people may or may not have done the same thing, but it's how they viewed it in the moment. It's the fact that, um, man, I absolutely did not view today's driving experience with my son as a chore. It was a treat. It was a perk. It was a life addition to my day, um, to my year, to my life. And I think about how many times I've heard other people say, yeah, I have to take my kid driving. And they're like absolutely regretting it. It's like, are you kidding me, man? Like that's quality kid time. <laughs> right. I think, uh, I think you made a great, a great great point right there with that a lot of people say like i have to do this i have to do that and they don't really look at it as that's something that they get to do mm-hmm. i get to spend time with my son driving i get to go hang out with my friend i get to do a, like in our case we get to do a <laughs> podcast we get to go try new restaurants we get to try new scotches <laughs> we get to travel we get to you know uh i you know there's people out there right now who probably, you know, wish or hoped uh, or whatever that they had a job or income. You know, we get to, we, you know, we get to wake up and, and we get to, you know, do whatever it is that we do, you know, that add purpose into our lives. You know, we choose, like everyone chooses what they do. It, it's a, so it, it, you agree to it. Like if you hate your job, go find a new job. You may not make as much money, which you have to get over hate. So (laughs) you have to decide which one is your goal. Exactly. Or, I mean, you can still do it. I mean, you can still make decent money and find something that you enjoy. But you got to, like, you got to enjoy the process because any type of goal or anything worth achieving, there's a process that goes into it. And you got to fall in love with the process because if you hate the process, you're going to hate getting the journey to get to where you want to go. And then you probably want to appreciate it when you do get there, if you do get there. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know we kind of veered off there a little bit, but is, is there anything else you want to talk about no, here? I, in this? I think that's a really great uh, way to actually kind of end this is to – Uh, ask you guys the viewers who take the time and like to go on these journeys with us with our smarter challenges take a moment think about some of these things for yourself then watch blade runner come up with your own answer or do your own research you may agree with us you may disagree with us just like with the ben react smoky 12 um you may or may not see the same things we do with many of the scotches we try with many of our smarter challenges uh feel free to share those things with us Uh, if you have things that you think will absolutely open our eyes share those things with us uh because that's why we're here is to learn and to grow and to uh at the end of the day be say able to say life is great life is great life dude. is great <laughs> so uh what's our scotch next week if we're all done right next week's treat the caribbean cask of balvini 14 you brought one of these bad boys a couple weeks ago, uh, the Balvini American Oak, uh, and now Noah is treating us to the Caribbean Cask 14-year Scotch. Yeah, I was actually trying to. I didn't. Really, I didn't do a super hard job of searching, so I'm not gonna say yeah, like I was really looking for it, but I was hoping to stumble upon 
the next one in the story series because I think that would have been kind of fun to do the next one. Those look like they get pretty pricey pretty quick. Yeah. We're, we're, this is episode 70. The next episode is 71, maybe for a hundred. <laughs> All right. Uh, in our topic for next week, uh, uh, I was going to give this a shout out originally, but uh, we're going to make it into a topic, but the topic is to do a movie review on the black phone. It just came out this week. So, uh, it'll be about a week old when you guys actually, you know, when, when the, review gets dropped but hopefully you guys will enjoy the movie if you do go see it uh i will say this is one of the very few horror movies in the probably like the last 10 years that at least maybe jumped three different times and it's not like uh i didn't walk away being like frightened or anything like that it was just like the kind of like those you know the, like those jumps where you don't expect something to happen and all of a sudden like boom it's right there you're like oh crap what was that so um i did find it uh very, it's an interesting movie. It takes place in Denver, Colorado, so it kind of relates to us, anyways, since we live in Colorado. And um, the reason why I went and saw it originally is because somebody had pointed out to me, like they're like, "Go see the movie, kind of pay attention to to it, and kind of compare it to the stuff that has come out uh, through like WikiLeaks and stuff about John Podesta and child trafficking and stuff." and uh adrenochrome but uh any case that's the reason why i was gonna go check it out and it's actually a decent movie and ethan hawk does a good job and talking about being dark we mentioned how ethan hawk has been in a lot of dark movies he has <laughs> all right anything you want to say to the people no please like share subscribe give us feedback we appreciate it drink responsibly remember life is great i'll start off from life is great and uh if you are watching us, thank you again. We are on uh, YouTube and Rumble. For those of you who have been listening to us, uh, thank you once again for being uh, strong supporters of our Audible, uh, um, I guess, uh, distribution, and whether it's on uh, Podbean, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, the, the, the listeners didn't really drop off. I think uh, from the previous month, we were at, like, at 52 listeners. And then this month, 49. And that's amazing to me, especially since um, I was sick most of the month. And uh, <laughs> there's like a lot, of the, a lot of our episodes were dropped late. So uh, thank you very much for giving us that support still. And for all of our viewers, thank you for all the support you guys have given us. If you do want to become a patron member, there's the link down below. It's the very first link. It's the Podbean patron. I just take that link. It can be a, a patron member for as low as a dollar. And that does give you, if you're in the Colorado area, uh, priority access to when we do like movie rentals and stuff like that uh, to, in the, uh, for theaters. And uh, with that, uh, cheers, everyone. Hopefully, you guys have a great week. And Dutchman, cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.